Welcome to the Bridge to God's Word podcast with Carla Unseth, a linguistic consultant for missionaries working in Bible translation. We invite you to visit us at www.bridgetogodsword.org to learn more about Carla's ministry. Now, here's linguistic consultant Carla Unseth. Hi, and welcome to Building a Bridge to God's Word. This is Carla Unseth, and thank you so much for joining us today. So, if you've been following along with this podcast, you know that we've been doing a survey of the Bible. We've been looking at the major themes of the Bible, and one of the major themes is how humanity's relationship with God has been broken through sin. And the Bible is the story of how that relationship is going to be restored. So we've seen both the different attempts that people have made, that humanity has made to try and restore that relationship. And then also we've seen the slow revelation of God's plan of how he is going to restore that relationship. And it follows, of course, this one main family line, the Israelites. But at the point that we left last week, it was kind of hard to see how that was going to work out because actually the Israelite kingdom had been destroyed and taken over and the people had been sent into exile. So this week we're going to look at what life was like in exile and how the promises of God continued to the Israelites while they were in exile. So just to give you a little refresher, we had the kingdom of Israel had split into two. We had the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom was destroyed first by Assyria. And then later, the southern kingdom was destroyed by Babylon. But actually, Babylon grew in power, took over Assyria, and then actually destroyed and took over the southern kingdom of Judah. So when those things happened... There were some major changes for the Israelites, especially in their identity as a people. So I want to look at a few of those things first. And as a linguist, one area of identity that we talk about is language, that part of your identity is your language. So when these people, both the northern and southern kingdom people, moved into these new countries, they had to learn a new language And the longer they were in exile, the more chance there was that their children would learn that new language instead of Hebrew. So during this time, language shifted from Hebrew to Aramaic. Along with that was another identity change, kind of language related, but related to how they saw themselves as a people. So the northern kingdom destroyed by Assyria, the southern kingdom destroyed by Babylon, and it was actually the Babylonians that when, when they brought exiles in from Judah, they had a hard time saying the word Judean. So they shortened it and they started to call the people the Jews. So it was actually during the exile that the Israelites were first called Jews. Along with that, another change that happened is that the tribes of Israel began to be seen as one Jewish identity rather than as separate tribes. So up until this point, people really identified with which tribe they were part of. But these outside nations, the Assyrians and Babylonians, didn't see them that way. They saw them as one people group. No matter what kingdom they were from, no matter which of the 12 tribes, they started to have one common identity as Jews. 
But let's go on and look at the books of the Bible that were written during the time of exile so we can get a small glimpse into life during that time. There were actually only two books, and those were the books of Daniel and Ezekiel. So let's talk a little bit about those books and what they teach us about Israel's time in exile. Ezekiel was a prophet in Judah. And he was brought to Babylon in the first wave of deportations from Judah into Babylon. So what's interesting about Ezekiel is that he was in the priestly line. So if they hadn't been in exile, he would have been a priest. And actually, the book of Ezekiel starts on his 30th birthday, which would have been his inauguration into the priesthood, into his priestly ministry. So at the very beginning of the book, he's sitting by the banks of a river, mourning the loss of what would have been when he suddenly has a vision of God on his throne and he receives a commission from God to be a prophet to the people in exile. So God instructs him to tell the Israelites what's coming for Jerusalem. So remember, since he was in this first wave of exiles from Judah, Jerusalem had not been destroyed yet. So God commissioned him to tell them that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And he did a lot of crazy signs to demonstrate this, such as staging a pretend siege on Jerusalem. And he ate food cooked over dung fires to symbolize how bad the siege would be. So needless to say, the people didn't like him very much or really believe him. But Ezekiel didn't just prophesy destruction. He prophesied hope as well. And one of the most interesting visions that he had was the vision of dry bones. So God took Ezekiel to a valley which was filled with bones, and he told Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And they miraculously began to come together into complete skeletons. So God told him to prophesy again, and the skeletons were covered with muscle and skin and eventually actually filled with breath and came back to life and they became an army. So this vision is a powerful picture of what was happening with Israel. And actually we can apply it now. It can be applied to anyone. So here's what the vision means. The Israelites were spiritually dead. They were as powerless and ineffective as God's people, as I mean, God had called them to be priests to the nations. And they were completely unable to do that, just as dry bones are unable to be an army. Nothing in them could make them capable of life. Nothing in them could make them capable of relationship with God. But it was God himself who spoke humanity into being at the very beginning of time, who could actually speak them into being once more. So what that means is restoration is from God. And it's the same with us now. We as humans are spiritually dead. We're incapable of solving the sin problem. We've seen that over and over again. And as people like to say now, living our best life, we can't live our best life. The way it's life, the way God intended, we can't do that. We're dead. We're like dry bones. And our only hope of becoming alive again is through God himself. So I just love this picture because God is so clearly giving the answer to the sin problem here. Only God can make us alive again. Only God can solve the sin problem through his own breath, through his own word coming into us and bringing us back into relationship with him. So that was Ezekiel's message 
to the Israelites. It was a message of judgment, but also a message of hope. So much hope for the future. So now let's look at Daniel. And Daniel's story starts out the same as Ezekiel's. He was brought to Babylon in the first wave of exiles from Judah. But that's actually where the similarity ends. Um, Daniel was actually brought to Babylon as a potential recruit to serve in Babylon in this sort of top tier as a ruler. And as a result, his prophecies are really aimed more at the kings of the world. He, he's not prophesying to the people of Israel, to the people of Judah. Instead, he's prophesying to the kings. And he often prophesied about the rise and fall of different nations. So an example of this comes at the very beginning of the book of Daniel. You probably have heard the story. King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He asks his wise men to, to actually tell him what the dream was and then interpret it. Nobody can do it. And he, so he's going to kill them all. And that's when Daniel hears about it and says, no, wait, God will reveal the dream to me and, and the interpretation. And, and that does happen. Daniel prays to God. God tells him what the dream is and gives him the interpretation. So the dream is that Nebuchadnezzar sees a huge statue made of all different types of materials. And then he sees a giant boulder come down, smash the feet of this statue, which causes the whole statue to be destroyed. And it's completely pulverized and swept away by the wind. So Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar that what this means is that each of the different types of materials making up the statue represent different kingdoms of various strengths throughout history. But in the end, all of these kingdoms will be destroyed by a kingdom that God himself sets up. So that's the boulder rolling down, destroying the other kingdoms. They're, they're completely annihilated. They aren't even remembered. But instead, um, this boulder this, that represents God's kingdom is established and grows. So Daniel 2.44 says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. So this verse is a key to the book of Daniel. God is revealing another part of his plan. Not only will he bring people who are dead in sin back to life, as we saw in Ezekiel, but he will make a kingdom where people can live with him eternally. So the book of Daniel has a lot of these types of prophecies of kingdoms rising and falling, and people have tried for many years to interpret them and to assign them to various kingdoms, both historical kingdoms and kingdoms to come. And there's a variety of interpretations that have been proposed, and I'm not going to go into them for the purpose of this podcast. But I will say that many of the things in Daniel seem to have sort of this already but not yet type of interpretation, which means that they had direct application in Daniel's time, but they also refer to things which are yet to come. And they're prophecies that we can look at and study and look at the times happening around us and say, um, is this happening now? So just to give you a little glimpse of that, um, one of those types of prophecies is in Daniel chapter 9, and Daniel has a vision of 70 weeks. So 
Daniel received this vision as he's reading about he's reading Jeremiah's prophecy that Israel that Israel will return from exile after 70 years. So Daniel reads this and he he goes to God and prays and he repents on behalf of his people. He says, God, we are still a sinful people. We pray for your forgiveness. We pray for your restoration, not even for our sake, not because we're a good people, but because you are a good God and a God who keeps his promises. So after he prays this prayer, God comes and tells him that there's now 70 sevens or 70 weeks that are decreed for the people of Israel to atone for their sin. And then God tells him that these 70 sevens or 70 weeks are divided into three groups. There will be seven sevens. And after that time, Jerusalem will be rebuilt. Then there will be 62 sevens. And after that, it says the anointed one will be put to death. And that leaves one seven and that last seven will be a time of great tribulation. So this is one of those things that people have looked at in interpretive. They've realized that each seven or each week is a group of seven years. So this first seven sevens, that's 49 years. And 49 years after Daniel's prophecy, Ezra goes back to Jerusalem and rebuilds the walls. And then the next 62 sevens, that equals 434 years. And so I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert. Um, you know, we've been looking for how God is going to restore his people. And that's going to be through this anointed one, through this chosen person. And that person will come after 434 years. And so guess who comes on the scene after 434 years? Jesus. And that actually that, that amount of years ends at the time when Jesus is crucified. And it says the anointed one will be put to death. So what about the last seven? Well, that's where the not yet part comes in. As, as many scholars think, there's, there's, of course, multiple interpretations. But many scholars think that the last seven hasn't happened yet. But it will happen during the tribulation that we read about in Revelation. So there's a lot more to that prophecy. There's a lot of things that people have thought and predicted, and I'll let you look into it more on your own. But I think what's really interesting is to see how Daniel's vision aligns with God's revelation of his plan. Israel was restored to Jerusalem, but true restoration didn't come until Jesus. And that was when people could be made alive again, like we saw in Ezekiel, but we're still waiting for the coming of God's kingdom that Daniel talks about. So that will come after this last seven that we're still looking for, still trying to understand. So that's just a brief overview for you of the books of Daniel and Ezekiel and their messages during this time of exile of really both judgment and also of hope, hope for a future. And from Ezekiel, we see hope for people's hearts to be restored and to live again. And in Daniel, we see hope of this future kingdom that God will set up. And of course, we've also, we, we looked briefly at the new identity for the Jews, which was a new name, the name of the Jews, new language, their language is beginning to change to Aramaic. 
and a new identity as one people group rather than all these separate tribes. So next week, we're going to look at the next step in the story, which is the return from exile from the Jews. Um, so they, when they actually go back to Jerusalem. So we'll look at that, what life was like when they came back to Israel. So thanks so much for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again next time for Building a Bridge to God's Word. 